Eanes is proud to present the WHS Healthy Shab Speaker Series. This week, Jeray Weber from Intentional Life Therapy and Wellness shares self-care and self-compassion. I am Jeray Weber, licensed marriage and family therapist here in Cedar Park. Uh, my husband and I own Intentional Life Therapy and Wellness, and I want to welcome you to self-compassion and self-care during the pandemic. Um, this is just some insight for you as to how to kind of acknowledge and validate what you're going through, what you're feeling, and then also how to process, how to allow yourself grace, how to take inventory of yourself. Um, so let's get right in. It's important that you allow yourself to take time for yourself and not worry so much about what else is going on. Because if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not good to anyone else. You know, that whole scenario with the pilot uh, or, you know, if you're in a plane, you put the mask, oxygen mask on yourself first and then your child. And I've heard a lot of mothers tell me, I would never, I would never put the mask on myself first. Of course I have to put it on my child first. Um, but what happens when the plane crashes and your child doesn't have you? Even if the plane crashes, you still live and your child needs you, right? The plane can be going down in flames, but your child needs you. So you put the mask on yourself and then you put the mask on your child. And plus, if you were the pilot of the plane, there would be people shoving that mask on top of you. You have to hold it together. They need you and you are the pilot in your family. You're the pilot in your life. Put the mask on yourself. Wear the mask. That has a lot of meaning in today's world, right? Wear the mask. Okay, so we're going to first, this first section is going to talk about acknowledging what's going on around you, validating the feelings. We're going to talk about taking inventory of yourself, uh, giving yourself grace and what that means, and taking action towards safety slash sanity, right? Because we just need a little bit of sanity in our life. Okay, so acknowledge. Acknowledge the loss, the unique loss. This is a very unique time in our life, in our history. I don't think any of us have experienced what we have been going through right now, these past few months. Um, and we may call it first world problem loss, but we have lost nonetheless. And it's a loss of our sense of freedom, our ability to move around as we normally would. You know, we can't go get our hair done. We can't go get our nails done. Those are first world problems. But don't be ashamed or embarrassed of them. It's your loss. It's your your reality right now. Um, and there's other types of loss, loss of real loss, loss of jobs, um, reduced income. Uh, there are people that are still being asked to work, but they're asking to take pay cuts. Um, there's uncertainty. There is, um, you know, going to the grocery store and not seeing groceries on the shelf, knowing that well for me when i went to the grocery store i have food storage and i was just going to make my ordinary weekly run but when i saw that i could not buy things for my family um it was worrisome i left there feeling sick to my stomach and it wasn't that i was worried because we had food storage and you know we could eat but it was just there's no food on the shelves and that had never, ever happened before. And that does something to you. It increases your anxiety and, and your worry, the fear of the unknown. Um, so I left the store with condiments. <laughs> that was all that was left were like ketchup and barbecue sauce and relish. 
I figured, well, if I'm going to be making pinto beans and, and bread, we better have something to put on it, right? But for others who, you know, don't have the capacity to stay calm in situations like that, it can be really scary. And so I understand why people were hoarding and, and loading up. Um, they lacked the capacity to think, to respond. They reacted instead of responding. And we'll talk about that in a moment, too. Um, like I said, the sense of uncertainty in our world, the uncertainty of when are we going to be able to go back to work and open up like our, our market is? Um, when are we going to be able to go back to school? When are we going to be able to function? Are we going to go back to what we knew or are we going to be entering a whole new way of life? It's something to think about, right? But it's not something to be afraid of. Uh, unique stressors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Zooms are stressful. <laughs> and, and for ourselves, you know, you may be quarantined to your home and working from home. And now you're trying to navigate all the different um, telehealth and Zooms and telemed and, you know, just trying to get everything on track and then trying to make sure that your children are on track with all of their um, classes and assignments. I feel like I'm apologizing every day to teachers because, you know, one teacher doesn't get something and there's a computer glitch. My kid is saying, I did the work. You know, it's just so confounding. And then, you know, just on my way over here, I was getting reminders that my children have Zooms to be on. And so I'm texting them, you know, remember to get on this Zoom. And we try to make a calendar and be organized, but it still seems like we're lacking somewhere. So unique stressors of homeschooling, unique stressors of being home with your children all the time. If you're not used to that, that could be a stressor. Um, their energy level alone can be a stressor. Um, trying to navigate relationships. Um, I, you know, I work mainly with couples and this is a new dynamic. Some couples have been quarantined together in their homes and they're not used to being together that much. So new things are arising, new issues are arising, right? Um, so we definitely have unique stressors right now. Triggering situations, like I mentioned, going to the store and not seeing groceries on the shelf, that's a triggering situation, wouldn't you agree? Um, acknowledging for yourself, this is bringing up a lot of my insecurities. This is bringing up stuff from my past that had me worried and I've been burying it and now here it is in front of my face. Um, triggering situations, they do that. They are landmines. You step on it and all of a sudden, boom, all the feelings that you've been trying to stuff down are all of a sudden right in your face in that moment and you weren't expecting it. So, you know, what are some of the triggering situations that are going on for you? Um, hearing all the all the different facts in the media and hearing people argue and fuss and blame and shame. I can't even believe that we're doing this, but blaming and shaming others uh, for not wearing masks or for being outside. It's it's really ridiculous. But I know that that's fear. Fear is driving them. And so I give them grace. I give them grace. Okay, I know that this is coming from a place of fear and I'm not going to be offended and I'm not going to be hurt. I'm still going to live my life. Um, we'll talk about giving yourself grace, um, but triggering situations, figuring those out for yourself and being aware of them. And then, you know, being reactive versus being responsive in your behavior. 
like I said at the grocery store, reactive behavior means you're afraid, so you just shove everything that you can in the cart. In the cart. A responsive behavior would be, okay, what do I really need right now? And um, I will get that, and then I will come back later so that everybody has a little something, right? Um, it's important if, if you're looking at your child, your teen, and they are having more moodiness or they're being more irritable, to know that those are reactive behaviors. They are reacting to their immediate feeling. They're not thinking through. And that's kind of characteristic of teenagers. And we'll talk about that too, but giving them grace around that, letting them know I'm with you. I'm here with you. This does stink. This does hurt. You can't see your friends, um, you know, the seniors not being able to have their proms and, and finalize, you know, their senior years is difficult. But really, it's about how we phrase things. You know, we, we can word them in the sense of this is a unique time or we could say this is a horrible time. This is crisis. We have to be careful in how we label things, especially to our teenagers, because they're already so emotionally ramped up. We need to help them give give them structure and yourself. You know, our words are very powerful. All right. Next, taking inventory. What do I have to work with here? <laughs> you may feel like I don't have very much. I'm on, I'm running on fumes here, but what do I have to work with? Okay. So what are your known responses to stress? I had a graduate instructor ask me, Jere, how do you know when you're stressed? I thought for a minute, oh yeah, I stopped singing. I love to sing. I sing all the time. But when I stop singing, when I refuse to listen to music, when I need silence in my life, that is an indicator to me that I am stressed. I am, there is something really wrong if the music stops. What is it for you? What are your indicators? Um, are you vegged out on the couch binge watching TV with a glass of wine after a glass of wine after a glass of wine? Um, are you all of a sudden really into whatever your kids are doing? You know, are you hyper fixating on things? What is your response to stress? Take inventory. The more you're aware of what's going on for yourself, the better insight you'll have and what to do about it. All right. How do you face obstacles? When you're facing an obstacle, do you freeze? Do you just freeze and hope that it goes away if you're, if you stay still enough or are you the type that just bulldozes through and says, whatever happens is going to happen. Um, or are you the type that stops and ponders and then proceeds, right? You got to think about it for a minute. Um, and then you can even take that to, what about your child? How does your child face obstacles? What is their um, MO, right? And what is your spouse's? You know, what is their response to obstacles? How are y'all handling things? What are current coping skills that you utilize, all right? That could mean, you know, I, I need to go outside. I need to make sure that I'm feeling the sun on my skin and I feel the wind or the breeze through my hair. I need to get my hands in the dirt. I honestly, pulling weeds is my therapy. I love to pull weeds and that really, you know, even 30 minutes of pulling weeds helps me feel connected again. It's, it's where I get into my flow state and we'll talk about flow in a little bit, but what are current coping skills that you utilize? What do you do? Do you draw? Do you, um, do you sing? Do you go out on runs? What is it that you do to help kind of 
run out or get out the negative energy that's welling up inside you that needs to be released. And then where do you draw your strength? And when I say where do you draw your strength, I'm talking about your energy. Um, introverted people versus extroverted people is about where your strength comes from. So I have uh, a couple children. I have four children. One is 24, one is 18, one is uh, 12, and the other one is nine. A couple of those are extroverted people, meaning they need to be around others to get energy. They get charged, refilled by being around others. And when they're not, they start to get drained and it's hard mentally and emotionally for them to focus, for them to feel like themselves versus me. I'm an introvert. I could do this all day long. I love being home with my family. I don't have to talk to another person. Um, I'm okay. Um, but introverts get their strength from being alone. They need to be alone for a little bit. It doesn't have to be a long time, but they need a happy moment to just be alone and get refilled. And then they can go back out and, you know, they can be interactive and outgoing and out awesome, but they just need to recharge by being alone. And so one of the ways that I structure that in my home for me is, you know, my husband knows that. And so I'll just, I'll tell him I need to go up to the room and I'll go to my room and I'll, I'll lay down or I'll read a book or I'll watch a show. Um, I just need some time that's all by myself. And he guards the door. He makes sure that the kids don't come get me. He doesn't come get me, he waits until I come out. And then, and then I'm good to go. You know, I can cook dinner and I can clean and I can play games with the kids and help them with homework, go on with whatever it is that I need to do that I have to have that time or else I start getting fussy and irritable and they know it and I know it and I don't like it. So we got to, we got to address that. What do you do? Where do you gather your strength from? All right. Give yourself grace. This is so important to learn to accept yourself right where you are, because I bet there are some of you that are just saying, I'm not, I'm not enough. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough patience to do this. It's okay. You don't have to have everything all together. You are a work in progress. How about that? Instead of saying, I don't have to say, I'm a work in progress. I'm learning. I'm gaining. Reword that phrase for yourself. Encourage yourself. But we accept ourselves right where we are. And then we recognize the part that we have in our family, in our community, in our work environment. Wherever your sphere of influence is, you have a part to play. I don't know if you've heard that uh, story about the parts of the body where the leg may feel like it's not as important as the arms or the toe may not feel as important as the foot. And, you know, the intestines, nobody wants to pay attention to the intestines because they're so long and bulky. Every body part has a function and it's complementary to the one next to it or to other systems in the body. You have a part. And what you do is complementary to other people in your sphere of influence. You just need to plug into that. Realize that you have a part. And some of you may say, I have too many parts. There's too much on my shoulders. I hear you. I see you. I understand that too. Um, we'll talk about setting boundaries here in a moment. But recognize the parts of yourself 
recognize your part in, in your world and your sphere of influence. And then this goes right along with it. Encourage yourself and encourage others. When I sent this PowerPoint presentation to myself up here at my office, I included, you got this. I have to encourage myself because we don't always get encouragement from the outside world or external forces. We have to do it for ourselves and that's okay. Encourage yourself, talk to yourself, um, cheer yourself on. It's important to do, and you can do that. It's a gift that you give to yourself. Um, and then others encourage others. This is really a stretch and it and it creates humility. It requires humility not to compare yourself to others, but instead strengthen and build others. And, and why do you say this is giving myself grace? Because when you stop comparing yourself to other people and see the value they have for their part in your sphere of influence, you relax, you have peace, you have joy because you want to see them doing well as you're doing well, as you're you know striving and struggling, but you, you do it in a manner that feels like you're moving forward and you're lifting others up along the way. That is such a good feeling to know that you're lifting others up along the way instead of putting them down. And that makes you feel bad about yourself. We'll talk about living with an internal integrity in a little while. Encourage yourself and others. Ooh, hold yourself accountable. This breeds empowerment. And this may be kind of, it may sting a little bit, you know, hold myself accountable. Take responsibility for your actions. If you mess up, claim that I messed up. If you mess up with a kid, if you bite their head off, you go to them and you say, you know what? I didn't handle that well. I didn't handle that the way I wanted to handle it. Yes, I've got to set boundaries with you because I love you and I want to protect you and, and you know, give you guidelines. But I could have done it in a different way, couldn't I? We're good. I'm good with you. I love you and I'm not upset. But I do want to let you know I could have handled that better. And going forward, will you let me know if I talk to you in a condescending manner or if I yell at you? Will you just also kind of quietly and humbly let me know too? It requires humility for you to do that. But you are empowered when you do that because you get control back of yourself. When we yell and we fight and we fuss and we snap, those are reactive behaviors. They're reactive. We're reacting to how we feel. They're not responses. They're not well thought out responses. Because if you really thought about it, you wouldn't want to yell at your child. If you really thought about it, you wouldn't want to belittle them. You would want to lift and strengthen them. So letting them know, I didn't quite handle that the way I wanted to. I'm going to work on that. Would you mind helping me? I give you permission to let me know if you feel like I'm talking to you in a condescending manner. And then when they do, you have to humbly accept that. Say, all right, how could I have said that differently so that it could be easier to hear? Wow. I know that sounds a little tough, but you can do it. And it gives yourself grace. When you take accountability for your actions, you are empowered. Same thing if you're doing great. If you're doing something top-notch, take accountability for that or responsibility for that. You know, if you did a good job on something, cheer yourself on. That's okay. Do that. You know, um, it's not bragging or being prideful when you're just giving yourself credit for something that you did. All right? Okay. And dispel the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. You know, I should have spent more time doing X, Y, and Z. I could have done this better. You know, I would have done this if it hadn't been for this. 
the shoulda, coulda, wouldas just leave you feeling yucky. They, they are not uplifting in any way possible. Instead, we'll change those to I can, I will, I must. And I have a slide on that. Just a moment. The last thing I want to tell you about giving grace to yourself is giving yourself permission to be happy. Giving yourself permission to be happy amidst any circumstance. And you may wonder, well, how can I be happy? Or how can I have joy? Or how can I have peace when all this stuff is going on around me? Well, that's a good question. And I'm going to tell you, it starts by monitoring and being a good steward over what you put into your mind and what you put into your body. And yes, I'm talking about social media. I'm talking about finding things that are uplifting. And yes, there are things that are uplifting out there. You do not have to plug into all of the news feeds. You don't have to plug into the arguments that are going on. You don't have to read all, all the articles about COVID-19. There's really not a lot that you can do about that stuff. And as soon as you can say, I need to set that down. I'm going to do what I need to do to take care of my family and keep us safe. But there's not a lot I can do about this. So I'm going to set it down and I'm going to focus on what I can do. I'm going to focus on the little moments of time that I do have control of. I'm going to focus on my attitude. That is what will help you have peace. That will help contribute to the calmness in your home, encouraging your other, you know, your children and your partner, your spouse to do the same. Limit your exposure to social media. Choose carefully what you put into your mind, the, the things that you listen to, the things that you read, the things that you watch on TV. Be a good steward over what you are putting into your body. Just like that saying, you are what you eat. Well, you are what you think. You are what you put into your mind. What do you want? Do you want to create peace and happiness in your life? Or do you want to create confusion and chaos and anxiety? I don't think that's what you want for yourself. All right, let's move on. Reducing the feeling of overwhelm. When you do get into those states of, oh, I just, you know, I don't know what I can do. I don't know what more I can do. It's just too much. Let's, let's look at these things. Breathe. I cannot stress enough to you the importance of deep breathing exercises. The Department of Defense is utilizing yoga and deep breathing exercises to help uh, veterans with PTSD. And there's a YouTube video by Tom. Oh my goodness, I just forgot his name, but I did include it in my references so you can watch it. But it talks about how the Navy SEALs are using deep breathing meditation um, and yoga to help with anxiety, to help combat PTSD, to help get them into a mental flow, a mind state so that they can go and do what they need to do. Deep breathing exercises are important. <clears throat> if I have time at the end, I will go over one of them with you. So the first thing you need to do is do, do some deep breathing exercises for five to 10 minutes. Then use visualizations. And I use a combination of cognitive behavioral therapy and neuro-linguistic programming um, when I'm talking to you. So some of this is both, um, but do visualizations. Like I said, um, envision the fear, envision anxiety, give it a, give it a, a characteristic of some sort of fear is all pokey and bristly and red. That's fear. If anxiety is like a finger that just won't, is a relentless poking, pokey, pokey. That's, that's what anxiety represents to you. Then envision yourself full and complete and wonderfully made with none of this stuff stuck to you. 
And then you might visualize fear out to one side and anxiety out to another, and they're getting closer and they're getting closer. They want to latch on to you, but you have the power. You say, I see you. I see you fear. And I acknowledge you. I know why we're fearful. I know why that's a little scary right now, but I'm not going to allow you to, to latch on to me. I'm not going to allow you inside of me because you're going to wreak havoc on me. And I am not going to allow that. But I see you and I'm going to take care of you. You're going to be okay. It's important to acknowledge and validate the fear and, and reassure you're going to be okay. We're going to take care of this. That still leaves you full and complete and intact. The other stuff is the outside. It's not part of you. You're not allowing it in. Teach that to your children. Teach that to your teenagers as well. Gratitude is another one. Gratitude changes your state of mind. I'm going to tell you a short story. One day I came home from work and I was I was um, tired. I was stressed out. This is one, a long time ago when I worked in a mental health hospital. Um, and my husband and I had this agreement that we would take turns cooking dinner. That's how we helped each other out. It was his night to cook dinner. And I came home and he was um, playing video games. There was no dinner cooked. Deep breath. I was taking my deep breath. I walked upstairs. I was upset. I knew if I came downstairs that I would have to be the one that cooked dinner. I just knew it. And so I stayed up there, you know, trying to recharge, get my energy back up. And as I was changing clothes, I said, you know what, Trey, you need to think of five things that you're grateful for right now, because I was going in a downward spiral. I was thinking all these negative thoughts and I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be in that space. And so I started thinking about some things that I was grateful for right there and right then. And it gave me a different mindset. You know, I said, you know what? I am grateful that I'm home at a relatively decent time tonight. And I'm grateful that I have this time to spend with my family. And I'm grateful that I can go downstairs and I have food to cook. I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for these nice, comfy clothes that I'm changing into. And so it changed my state of mind. So I went downstairs and yes, I cooked dinner. But you know what? I was also in a different mind state. So I wasn't fussy and I wasn't angry. I wasn't throwing barbs. Instead, I invited. I asked my children, hey, Will you help me make dinner? Will you do this for me? And will you do that? And pretty soon everybody was in the kitchen. We were all making dinner together. And it was a great evening. How differently would that have looked if I had just been fussy and grumbly and resentful and mad? And that didn't change my state of mind. Right? You see that? Gratitude changes your state of mind. Find things to be grateful for in the moment. Um, give yourself permission to be happy and to feel calm. I said that just a little while ago. Give yourself permission. You are not the sum product of your stress. You are not ruled by your stress. You need to realize with the visualization, the stress is not you. It is an outside force. You drive your behavior. You are fully capable and fully able. And you make things happen. Stress and fear and anxiety do not need to drive you because then you begin to think I'm driven. My rewards are based on my stress levels. If I'm more stressed, I'm going to work harder and then I accomplish things. Is that the life you want to carve out for yourself? No, you are in control of what you accomplish. You motivate yourself. You don't have to give in to the external pressures and, and stressors that are happening around you. You can acknowledge them. Absolutely. You know, there are time constraints that we have. There are things that we have to get done, 
but you separate them from who you are. And then you are the one in control. Fear is not driving you. Anxiety is not driving you. You are. You are in control. Your desires and your wants. All right. And then making the decision. Releasing the feeling. Ooh, sometimes that's hard to release the feeling. Letting it go. Saying, I give you permission to leave my body. I do not want you here anymore. Um, and if I have time, I will also give you an exercise for that one as well. All right, take action. Here's where the next best step comes into place. I can, I will, I must. And anytime I'm, I'm working with clients or even my children, I say, okay, what's your next best step here? We've acknowledged how we feel. We've taken inventory. We've done the visualizations and the deep breathing. Now what? What is our next best step? I can. In the moment, this is what I can do. And that gives you a sense of hope. When you have hope, you still have something in the game. You have something to work with. I will. I am willing. That is empowering. It gives you control over what you, what you can do in the moment. And I must. I must is about safety. Emotional, mental, physical, financial safety. So, for example, if you're feeling overwhelmed with all of the the job loss and, you know, the additional stress of making sure that your kids get going and that they're doing their work and maybe you and your spouse are kind of fussing at each other. What can you do in the moment? I can. What is your I can that's going to give you hope? I can what? I can do some deep breathing exercises, right? That gives you some hope. Oh, there is something I can do. I will. I am willing. What is something that's going to give you power, a little bit of control in that moment? I am willing. I'm willing to have a conversation with my with my child's teacher to get some clarity on what's going on so that I can be more efficient. What's the I must? I must get sleep. I must find or develop a good routine so that I can get sleep, because if I'm not rested, I'm, I'm a crab apple. I'm not good to anyone. All right. So those are some examples of I can. I will. I must. Setting boundaries with yourself and with others. All right. Setting boundaries with yourself. Sometimes we don't think about this very much, but it is a great gift that you give to yourself when you learn how to set boundaries with yourself and with others. And what I mean by this is setting boundaries with yourself is living with internal integrity. Do your actions match your beliefs? Does your behavior match your beliefs? That is a big one. That is a big one because your subconscious knows when you're not. And it doesn't trust you anymore. And then you begin to second guess yourself. And then you begin to second guess other people. And then you have this, this untrusting view of others. Internal integrity. Make your behaviors match your belief. And if they're not in sync, figure out what's going on. So it starts, your beliefs lead to your thoughts, lead to your emotions, lead to your behaviors. You could also say, your beliefs lead to your emotions, lead to your thoughts, lead to your behavior. But anywhere along that line, figure out where things are going wrong, where things are getting off, off course for you and course correct so that you feel like you are living what you believe. Your behavior is your belief and you will have a sense of self. And when you have a solid sense of self, you make good decisions. You don't second guess yourself. You don't let other people make you second guess yourself. You're solid. All right. Uh, live within your means. Ooh, I know that probably came out of left field, 
But in setting boundaries with yourself, you learn to trust yourself that you're going to take care of yourself. And that includes financially. What a gift we give ourselves when we live within our means, when we're not trying to outspend or overspend our neighbor or our friend's parents, or we're not worried about that stuff. We're not caught up in that. If we have cash for it, we'll buy it, except for maybe like a house, maybe a car. But other than that, if you know, doctor bills, if you don't have cash for it, you don't buy it. You teach your children what delayed gratification is. You teach your children about the, the value of earning something instead of just getting it. What is it like to feel chained to a debt of stuff that y'all have already used and abused and thrown away, but you still have this debt? And now you have to work extra hours. You have more time away from your family. You're more irritable. You're frustrated. You're resentful because you don't make more money. No, it's not that you don't make more money. It's that you're not living within your means. Live within your means. It gives yourself such a, a gift, such a freedom. If you want something, you go earn it and you buy it. Clean and clear. But do not go into debt for stuff. It's going to be a chain around your neck. And it will affect how you interact with your family and how you believe about your what you believe about yourself. All right, we already talked about this one. Be a good steward of what enters your mind and body. So I'm not going to go on with that one too much. Uh, the body part, the body part is, you know, take care of yourself. Feed your body good foods. Allow yourself to take mental health days. You know, in this day and age, we're go, 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 and we're overachievers, and you got to do your best, your solid best, and you can't let people see you, you know, slide or have a bad day. But my goodness, it takes a toll on you. And if you allow yourself a mental health day or just a day off or even an evening off when you tell your spouse, hey, I'm done. I need to go to the room and I'm going to stay there the rest of the evening. And you can bring dinner up to me. But other than that, I really need to just be alone. Can you do that for me? That is setting a boundary of safety with yourself, because in the in those moments when you feel so fried and so vulnerable, you feel threatened Anything else that comes into your sphere of influence is threatening because you can't handle anymore. It's too much. So you're showing yourself that you're going to take care of yourself by giving yourself some time. That is very important to setting boundaries with yourself for self-care. Take care of yourself. Your subconscious knows. Your subconscious knows if you're taking care of yourself or not. And then acknowledge and process emotions. So many times we just we go through life and we sweep things under the rug and we don't really acknowledge what's happening. Take time. Take time to say, I think I think I'm disappointed here or I was embarrassed or I feel frustrated. Uh, you know, I feel like progress is not going at, at the speed I'd like it to go. I feel like I'm worried. You know, I'm, I'm worried I might fail. What if people don't like me anymore? I'm a fear, a fear of abandonment, people not wanting to be with me. You know, what if my family doesn't respect me? All kinds of things. Acknowledge what you're feeling and acknowledge the good things too. Oh, this is a peaceful day. This is a joyful moment. I feel excited right now. I like feeling ecstatic and giddy. Acknowledge what you're feeling. And then when you process it, it's very simple. When you're processing your emotions, again, you acknowledge it say, okay, this is what I'm feeling. And, and you can let it sit for a minute or two, but not very long because you don't want it to stick unless it's a good emotion. 
And then you say, okay, what's my next best step? What am I going to do from here? I can, I will, I must. Very simple. Three ways to process your emotions. Acknowledge, validate it, sit with it for a minute if you need to. You know, where's this coming from? What just happened? And then take action. I can, I will, I must. All right. Now, setting boundaries with others. You know people are going to treat you the way you allow them to treat you. You, you need to understand that. So it's important that you take inventory of what you will and will not allow. Now, this, this is done from a solid sense of self, okay? It, it comes from a sense of humility as well, giving others grace. But there's a difference between giving others grace and being run over like a doormat, right? You know what I'm talking about. So take inventory of what you're willing to accept and what you're not willing to accept. As a parent, we, we say, you know, you pick your battles. There are things that you're willing to, to hang on to because it's really important um, and fight for. And then there's things that, you know what, it just doesn't matter. I'm not going to fight about this. I'm not going to fuss. We'll just let it go, right? Take inventory of those things. Get your needs met with I need and I feel statements. Remember the story of when I went, um, came home and I was upset because dinner hadn't been made. I told the kids, hey, kids, mom needs your help. Can you come help me? All right. Kids love to hear you need their help. They want to be helpful. I'm talking about children, maybe not necessarily your teenagers, um, but they love to feel like they're helpful. And so let them know, hey, mom needs your help. I need your help right now. Or I feel sad when, you know, people ignore me. I feel sad. I feel like I'm not important when people talk over me. So it's really important that I'm able to finish my conversation, my, my statement before you start talking. All right. That's uh, getting your needs met. And then recognizing when your walls go up or when other people's walls go up. When your walls go up, that is an indicator to you that something has been triggered and you need to create a wall of safety around yourself. And so it's important for you to recognize when that happens, what's going on. That's when you need to stop and process emotions. Whoa, what just happened? I just had a flash of rage. What just happened that, that brought that on? And then what am I willing to do about it? I can, I will, I must, right? And then for others, when, when you step on somebody else's mind, ooh, you could feel that blow up in your face. But that is not the time for you to keep poking. What's wrong? What did I do? Blah, blah, blah. No, you've got to back off. You've got to back off. And this is really key with the teenagers. You've got to back off and show them that you are a safe person. And that means you are just going to hold them right where they're at. You're not going to bug them with questions. You're not going to squish them and take their words and use them against them. You're not going to um, talk about them behind their backs. You're just going to hold them. And you're going to say, hey, I think I just stepped on something with you, didn't I? It's okay. If you want to talk about it, I'm here. But if you don't want to talk about it, I'm going to give you your space. Just know that I'm here for you. And, and that's it. You're done. And if they want to talk to you, great. You sit here and you hold them and you just let them talk and you don't do anything else. You don't give them advice. You don't try to fix them. You just hold them right where they're at. And if they start to give you a little something like, hey, I'd like your advice on this or I'd like a hug right now, then you give them what they ask for and nothing else. And you show them that you are with your patience and with your listening ears and your kindness and compassion, that you are a safe person. And that takes time. That really does. That takes time. And there's no other way around it. So 
Just giving you some tips with setting boundaries with others. All right, now then, how to help my teen or my child? This is a little bit of left brain, right brain as they're developing. Our brain develops from the back to the front. So the frontal cortex area is one of the last things to fully develop, which is why I put here, your teen may act rashly even though, oh, I missed typo, sorry, even though they know better. Yeah, that happens a lot, right? You wonder, how could they do this? You knew better. Why did you do this? Teens are and children are, are capable, fully capable of making good decisions, um, but they are ruled by their emotions. And even some adults, too. You can tell kind of where people are along the, you know, where maybe they froze or their development froze. Um, they're ruled by their emotions. That's why feelings are so strong. Puppy love is so strong. Um, you know, sexual urges are so strong. And it, and it supersedes these feelings, supersede rationality, what the consequences may be. They just they know they're there. But they're they're just out there. They're not here. What's here is the feeling, the emotion. And so it's important to keep that in mind as you are interacting with your teen. And so the best thing that you can do as a parent for your teen and your child is to be the safe person. Just like I talked about, be the safe person. But that also means that you are setting boundaries for them. You are giving them guidelines. They can't just go willy-nilly in the name of emotion. They still have to be taught. They have to be shown where the line is drawn when they cross the line. And that has to be reinforced. Um, we don't do our child any service by letting them get away with things. And, it, and it's important to, to learn accountability. They too can have the gift of accountability if you show them how to be accountable. If you show them how to humbly uh, repair damage that they've done, right? Those are gifts. Those are gifts that you give to your children. They're gifts that you give to yourself. All right. Last few minutes that I have, and I'm talking really fast, and I apologize. Um, tangible tasks, a safety plan. We need to have a safety plan in times like these because things can get really dicey really fast and we need to feel a sense of stability, something that we can anchor down into. And this, this is what it does, or these are what you can do to help kind of anchor yourself. Establish a daily routine. Pick three things, three things that you do each day to help you establish a sense of stability uh, and make them consistent. The same things that you did um, before all this happened, you know, so did you have a morning routine that you always did? Did you exercise every day? Um, do you eat three meals a day? Just what is something that you do? Three things that you do to establish a sense of stability for me, I have to eat. If I don't eat, if I skip meals, I get fussy and that's not good for me. I have to eat. Um, for some people it's, they need to have contact with the outside world. They need to be talking to someone or, or having coffee with someone or going to lunch with someone. They need that to feel stable, whatever it is, three, three things. Um, and then create a safeguard when they don't go as planned, because that certainly can happen, especially right now. Um, like I said, we're evening back out. We're kind of getting into the groove of what's expected and what we need to do. But there can still be things that disrupt our plan, our day. So what are some what can you do to safeguard around that to give yourself validation around? OK, I didn't I didn't get my my social time in with my friends today. What can I do instead to kind of release, give myself that release and feel like I'm connecting with others to get that energy that I need. 
All right. Four non-negotiables. Oh, here we go. Get outside. Your body needs the sun. Get sleep. I know that can be hard. So establish routines that help you get, get you know, set up for success with sleep. Um, shut those phones off 30 minutes before you go to bed. You can read a book. You can lay in bed and talk with your partner. You can read bedtime stories to your children. Whatever it is that you want to do. Yoga, deep breathing, meditation, prayer. Perfect things to do right before you go to bed. But turn off all connection to the outside world. 30 minutes. An hour if you're really trying. But 30 minutes, okay, before you go to bed. Um, and then feed your body healthy foods. Stay hydrated. Um, this is really important right now to make sure that you're staying hydrated. Keep your body full of water, not full of wine. Um, and put, put good foods into your body that are going to help nourish and strengthen yourself. One, we want to boost our immune systems right now, right? We want to be healthy. So um, avoid, if you can, I know I, I hate saying it out loud because I hate hearing it. Avoid sugar. Okay, there, I'm done. Um, when we eat sugary foods, like if you say, oh, well, I'm going to give in to this, this ice cream, what happens is if you're not used to eating ice cream regularly, it's just like a comfort food that you feel like you need right now. Now you've established additional candida in your gut and now you're going to crave more and more sugar. And now you're going to be looking for more and more sweets and that's going to make you feel bad after a while. Um, so instead, just try to find a healthy substitute, a healthy snack, um, maybe something that's not as, as sugary, um, that is still pleasurable. I know I'm still working on this one myself. I've got chocolate chip cookies at home that my son made. So I am not preaching to you. I'm just letting you know, these are things that we need to try to do for ourselves. Um, and then learn the deep breathing exercises. It's a true gift that you give to yourself. All right. Another part of the safety plan is who are your go-to people? You may have a, a group of friends or tribe or whatever that you go to when you need to vent. Uh, or just when you need to go have some fun with someone and let off steam, um, find out or identify who those folks are. Who is your network of people? It may be one person. It may be five. Um, and also help your teen, help your child identify who that network is as well. Um, and you want those people to be forward minded. You don't want them to be life suckers because that's not going to help you. The people that you need in this network of safe people are forward minded. Are, are working on themselves. They're not just saying there's nothing that can be done. I'm so, I'm so screwed. No forward-minded thinking people. That's what you need in this network that are going to help you. These are the people that will get you to safety. If you need to get to safety, meaning they'll set up an appointment with a therapist or a psychiatrist or take you to a hospital if you need to go. Right. Um, these are people that are going to be there. They're going to be your safe person and they're just going to listen. If you ask them, I just need you to listen to me. All right. That's who your safe network of uh, people are. Now, here's an important thing. Communicate with them before you're calling in need. Communicate with them. Hey, when I call you and I say pink flamingo, that's going to be a cue to you that I am in distress and I need your help. It doesn't mean that um, I, I just want to ramble on and talk about chit chat. I really need you to be present and listening to me. So it's good to let them know, set them up in advance so that they know what to expect and that they're prepared and, and give them permission. Say, hey, if, if you don't feel like this is something that you can handle, let me know. And, and I won't I won't come to you on this on this issue. You need people in your corner that can can be there for you. And not everybody can. 
that's important to recognize. Have emergency numbers ready. Have those friends numbers ready. Have a therapist number ready. Have grandma's number ready. Have the hospital's number ready. Just have your numbers ready. Because sometimes when we are spiraling downwards towards a crisis moment, we're not always thinking clearly. Clearly, we're not thinking clearly. Um, you need a tangible black and white um, piece of paper or something so that you have it written down all there together. All right, I'm almost done. That was my timer saying I need to be done. Plan for productivity. Imagine yourself as the CEO of your life. What do CEOs do? They're vision casters. They're vision casters for the company. And they chart the course for where the company needs to go. And then they hire people to come in and get the company to go in that direction. They're accountable. They're accountable for the success or the failure of the business. CEOs, um, they are big thinkers. All right. You are the CEO of your life. You're the big thinker in your world. What do you see needing to be done in your life? And then just take two or three things the night before, write them down that you want to do. And then in the morning, you become the employee and you start making those things happen. And I say two or three, really. I don't want you to get overwhelmed and bogged down by lists and lists. If you're a list person, great. Write down six or ten things. But if you're kind of like me and don't like lists, then just write down three so that it's doable. And then have a flow of goals, you know, daily, weekly, monthly. What what is something that's strive you're striving for that you're working towards? It's really important for teenagers to feel like they are productive. If they don't feel like they are productive doing something, they're going to go to their video games. And honestly, they get a sense of productivity from their video games because they have leaderboards and they have um, reward systems, internal reward systems built into the games that make them feel like they're accomplishing something. They need something to work on. They need to feel like they're contributing, like they're being productive. They want to grow. They want to work. So help them find that. And, and for yourself too. And I mean, it can be something small. It could be, you know, as simple as, um, making sure that you do your three daily routine things every day right? Or it could be something bigger. Maybe you're going to start a garden or maybe you're going to launch a new business. Um, just find something to be involved in that makes you feel like you're growing and then make it happen. Go out there and make it happen and reward yourself. Don't slight yourself here at this, at this glorious moment. Reward yourself with something that's healthy, with something that's good for your body, with something that's going to encourage you or support you. Don't reward yourself with crap. Don't put crap into your body as a reward. Don't fill your mind with crap as a reward. Stay focused. Stay supportive of yourself. These are gifts that you give to yourself. Okay. Serve your way to sanity. I think this is my last slide. I can't say enough about service. Um, again, it helps you feel bigger than yourself. You're getting outside of yourself. And some people say, well, I don't know how to serve. I don't, you know, who can I serve in, in, in COVID-19 right now? Um, I'll just say this, find your strengths, find what you love and then serve in that area. I have been so blessed by watching, um, all these musicians and artists and comedians. They, you know, and they're not necessarily professional or, or famous, 
but this is a talent that they have and they're putting it out there on Facebook and Snapchat and TikTok for the world to see, to brighten their day. That is a service. I have seen so many creative people and I just love it. I love that they're finding ways to serve, ways to be productive in times like this. So find your strength, serve in that area. It does not have to be a big grand gesture. Um, service connects people. It connects you to people. Some people need that connection. We all need connection, but some people really need that connection in order to feel energized and recharged. Some, sometimes just connecting to people connects you to people that you may need if you're in crisis or if you just need someone to, to talk to. Um, service helps to change states of mind as well. If you're feeling bogged down and like um, you're stuck, going out and helping somebody who, who needs help gets you out of that state of mind. It helps you find gratitude and it, it gives you the gift of being able to relax and calm down a bit, gives you peace. And so I want to end with recapping what we went over. Um, the first slide, taking or acknowledging, taking inventory yourself, giving yourself grace, take action towards safety and sanity. Oh, I had a funny story about sanity. I forgot to tell you. I'm sorry. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I went to Costco and, you know, you're so excited when you get to go out to the grocery store because otherwise you don't get to go out. So I got dressed and I put on a beautiful uh, yellow chiffon shirt that I love. I wanted to brighten the mood around me. Um, and as I was pushing my cart, I noticed I would snag my shirt. So my snag had like four snagglies down it by the time I was done. And I remember catching myself going, serenity now. I was so upset because my shirt kept getting snagged. And I just wanted to wear it to brighten everybody's day and to brighten my day. And it just didn't go well. And um, but I remember thinking, OK, you're fine. It's going to be all right. Um, you can still find happiness in this moment. But I, in, in that moment, I was just like, good grief, what else could go wrong? Um, so find things to help move you towards your sanity, to move you towards safety. All right, next, setting boundaries with yourself and others. Remember, be a good steward over what you're putting into your mind and into your body. Be aware of, of what you will and will not allow, a behavior, and um, be aware of those walls that go up, what that means, what that's about. Process your emotions as they come up. And then lastly, the tangible tasks, the safety plans, establishing a good solid daily routine, the four non-negotiables, making sure that you're um, finding time to serve, that you're creating action plans for productivity and rewarding yourself. All right, that was a lot. I know, but you did it. We made it. Thank you for joining us. If you're interested in the archive video recording of this session and any corresponding handouts or resources, please visit the WHS Healthy Shaps website at healthyshaps.weebly.com.